0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is I Want to Be A, where each episode we complete that phrase with a new profession or industry looking to bring you an experienced professional to give us the inside scoop. For this episode, I want to be a pharmacist, and we have Dr. Jen Adams on the phone to bring us some details. Jen is the Senior Director of Strategic Academic Partnerships for the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy. So, Dr. Adams, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, with anything we do in regards to this show, there's a lot of information out there, but we always like to start with the guests themselves first. So what attracted you to this industry and obviously the idea of pharmacy?
1: Well, at the beginning, I really only knew that I was interested in healthcare. I didn't know what specifically in Mm -hmm. healthcare I was interested in. And so to be honest, it was a little bit of a process of elimination I looked at dentistry and decided I couldn't put my hands in anybody's mouth, so that was out. (laughs) You know, So here I was looking at all these different health professions and making decisions based on sometimes information like that, but sometimes not always the most information. So for all the listeners that are learning about the different fields, I commend you because more information about the different health professions is better than less information because then you get a better idea about what you're going to do. But I actually... Thought about pharmacy because I knew that I was good at chemistry and I knew that I had a good science background. And I had a friend who her dad was a pharmacist, and he was actually leaving the pharmacy profession and tried to talk me out of it. Really? And all the reasons, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of a funny story because afterwards I think he thought I was a little bit crazy, but all the reasons that he was leaving pharmacy. Were all things that as I was listening to him, I was thinking, well, I actually like that. (laughs) And so, in his effort to talk me out of it, he talked me into it. One of the things that he really had focused on was that sometimes it's hard to deal with the public. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got people of all different education levels. And I, you know, was a waitress in college and had dealt with about every aspect of the public that you could imagine. And that was actually one of the parts of my job that I found fun. I like to be able to talk to people and learn about them and and know more about people. And as a pharmacist, you're the most accessible healthcare professional that there is. Mm -hmm. In fact, pharmacies are open in most cases, 24 seven. You don't have to have an appointment. Sure, People can call at any time and ask questions and still get to the pharmacist. So from my perspective, the number one thing he didn't like was the piece that I really did like. No. And then to solidify it, I got a job working in a hospital pharmacy as a pharmacy technician to make sure that that was really a good spot for me.
0: It was always interesting to hear how people get into it. I think uh, you know your story does sound a little unique, but obviously enjoy what you do because you've been doing it for a number of years. Speaking of that, though, how why do you think it is that pharmacy? there's expected to be such job growth amongst pharmacists. I mean, do you have any theories behind that or have you looked into any research as to why there's such a, a, it's really a growth industry?
1: Well, healthcare in general is a growth industry across the country for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that we have an aging population. People are living longer than they ever have. And so the fact that they're living longer often means that they have Healthcare needs longer mm-hmm. than we did 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So, in terms of job security, an aging population, a large number of baby boomers who are aging, is really a lot, a lot of job security for healthcare. And when you think about, you know, where where in healthcare can pharmacists make the most difference? One of the largest costs in healthcare is medications, hmm. and so pharmacists helping bring down some of those costs. Making sure that people aren't taking too many medications that are all doing the same thing. Making sure that people aren't taking medications that are interacting. Making sure that people are actually appropriately using their medication. Right. The most expensive medication is the one that's not taken appropriately or not taken at all. Hmm. So really pharmacists can play a big role there in terms of saving the healthcare system money by providing that expertise on medications.
0: Well, you mentioned you know a little bit of what a pharmacist may do during a typical day there, and uh, of course, that's what a lot of people often wonder when it's an industry that they're not involved with. Could you walk us through what a typical day might be like for you know again, someone who's in one of those general positions? and I understanding it could vary from from place to place, but maybe what sort of tasks you might be working on and how much variation there is, just to give people again that inside look at, at being a pharmacist.
1: Sure. I think one of the interesting things about your question is if you went into a pharmacy at, you know, say a community pharmacy, whether it's an independently owned or a large chain pharmacy, if you walked in and you stood behind the counter and you watched the pharmacist all day long from first thing they do when they turn the lights on when they come in until they've turned them off when they go home, unless you had a conversation with them throughout the day it would be really hard to know everything they're doing because a lot of what they do happens inside their head. Hmm. There's a lot of problem solving that goes on. There's a lot of critical thinking skills that are involved in making good recommendations and good judgments for your patient. And so a lot of that happens inside your head. Now, on top of all of that, a pharmacist is also supervising the dispensing process. So you'll have pharmacy technicians that are preparing medications and labeling medications and getting those ready so that when people come in to pick up their medications, that the actual, you know, pills or liquids or whatever is available and ready to be dispensed. So the pharmacist oversees all of that, but most of those activities happen with a pharmacy technician. And then the pharmacist is the one who is spending time educating patients about how to properly use their medications spending time answering questions for patients, but also working with other healthcare providers in their community to solve problems. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you'll get a prescription that will come in and you'll take a look and you'll think, you know, this just doesn't look right for this patient. I don't know that I think that this is appropriate. And so then you call the prescriber back to say, you know, these are what, what I'm thinking. And then you work together as a team to make a good decision for that patient. Sometimes you might know, for example, that this is a patient who comes from an underserved area and doesn't have enough money to be able to pay for this prescription that you know is going to be hundreds of dollars. Sure. And so you you call them back before the patient comes in to say, hey, can we maybe look at something that's a little bit less expensive for this particular person? Let's talk about some substitutions here. And then in some cases, you'll find a serious drug interaction with something else that the patient is on that they maybe didn't tell the prescriber about that you can then say, I'm really not comfortable because this particular side effect is going to cause this person to potentially have a seizure, hmm. and that's a serious side effect. Right. And so let's, let's discuss an alternative solution. So you spend a lot of time looking for what are sometimes not easy answers to find because depending on the patient's financial situation, depending on what they're allergic to, depending on what they may have already tried, you know, you're, you're sometimes limited in what your solutions might be.
0: Well, I think it is interesting to hear some of the descriptions you're giving as far as the communication between the prescriber or maybe within the community. I do think a lot of people think, you know, hey, the pharmacist just grabs a prescription, gives it to you. Any questions, no one moves on. Do you think that's a big misconception within the profession for people who, you know, again, they just, their dealings with it are simply getting their prescriptions and moving along?
1: I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of misconceptions. And one of the reasons I think that misconception happens is because as a pharmacist, I spend a significant amount of my time on about 20% of the population. Hmm. So if you're coming in, you've got a cold, right? You went to to the doctor and the doctor said, here's an antibiotic, it's bacterial. So here's an antibiotic and here's a cough medicine to cover your symptoms. And you come in and you might see me once a year, mm-hmm. maybe twice a year. I have some information that I need to give to you, but really, I don't need to spend a huge amount of time with that particular patient. But with somebody who has three different disease states high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and diabetes, they come in, they're on multiple medications, they have multiple disease states, multiple symptoms that we're managing. And a lot of other factors that go into the decisions that we're making for that patient. Right. And they're, they're somebody I'm going to see every single month. So I end up spending more time with them because they are much more complicated in terms of the care that they need and the, the level of care that they need. And it's, of course, a smaller part of the population who is that complex.
0: How often would you say that a pharmacist is actually recommending recommendations, uh, whether it be because of something that maybe doesn't seem right with the prescription or even, you know, I'm sure we've all experienced, we go up to the counter and ask, you know, I'm just looking for something over the counter. What would be good for this? I mean, is that something that you do a lot? Is that encouraged? What's sort of the, the give and take with recommending medications?
1: Absolutely. You know, like I explained earlier, we spend a lot of time making recommendations to prescribers, but we do also make recommendations for patients who come in. Sometimes it's over the phone. You know, it's it's something you have at home in your in your medicine cabinet, although I like to say medicine closet because you shouldn't store your medications in a damp, wet bathroom. Um, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Good to know. I want to put that down. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So sometimes it's a conversation that I have with someone over the phone based on what they have at home and what can they do to treat their symptoms without having to go out because they aren't feeling well. But often it's something that, you know, someone will come in in the pharmacy and they'll say, you know, these are the symptoms that I've been having. Is there anything I can get over the counter? I really don't want to have to go to the doctor. Sure. And then there are times that they come in and I get more information from them and I say, you know, here's something that I can recommend to you to take with you right now, but I also want you to go to the doctor mm-hmm. because I think you really need to be seen by a physician and have someone diagnose what's wrong because it's beyond my capabilities. Or there are times that people come in and I say, I'm going to call 911 and get an ambulance to come get you right now. Really? And so some of that you spend time triaging, you know, what can I help? What needs a referral to the physician's office and what needs an emergency room right now?
0: You know, I I have to ask now, can you give us one scenario of of where that happened, where you actually had to call 911 and, and deal with that situation?
1: I have... An example that I can think of right now where a family was eating dinner across the street and they had a child with a severe peanut allergy and they didn't have an EpiPen with them. They didn't have Benadryl. So they ran across the street to the pharmacy, but we weren't their regular pharmacy. So we were able to get Benadryl for them. And we had an EpiPen in the pharmacy had we needed to use it, but I wasn't comfortable with them just going home. Sure. I wanted to make sure that they went into the emergency room and had their child evaluated after having that kind of an allergic reaction. And we didn't end up needing to use the EpiPens that we had behind the counter, but it was something that I really wanted them to make sure that they had their child evaluated afterwards. Right. Another example is, had a woman who came in and said, you know, I was just at the dentist. They took my blood pressure. They told me it was really high. Can you take my blood pressure? And I said, sure. And I sat down with her and I, you know, had my digital blood pressure machine and it was over her, you know, you've got your big number and your little number, your diastolic and your systolic. So you've got your systolic blood pressure that's the higher number. And her number was over 300 and it's normally 120. So that was very high. And so I thought, well, maybe it's this digital <laughs> blood pressure machine. Let me do it the old-fashioned way. So I did it the old-fashioned way. And again, I did it a couple of times, and her blood pressure was over 300 wow. every time. And so it's something where I didn't want her to get into a car and drive to the emergency room. That wouldn't have been safe because what if something had happened on her way there? And so we called 911, and I sat with her until the paramedics arrived and were able to, to take her to the hospital.
0: So. Very interesting.
1: Definitely. Those kinds of things happen in the pharmacy.
0: I think that's good to know. I think it's good for people to understand that that can happen and also that, uh, you know, things can change quickly and you can help out in different ways. What about when we're looking at skills or personality or work ethic? What would you say are essential if you're going to get into pharmacy and, and really be successful in your career?
1: Well, in terms of personality, being a people person is not a bad thing because the level of communication skills that are required to be a pharmacist are pretty high. Not only do you have to be able to communicate potentially with a patient who has maybe a fourth grade reading level, you also are going to have to communicate with other healthcare providers who are educated at the doctoral level. And then your next patient may be somebody who has a PhD in physics. So Hmm. you really have to be able to communicate on a lot of different levels and you also have to learn how to communicate and get to know someone relatively quickly because most people don't spend too much time in the pharmacy. And so you have to learn a lot of pertinent information about someone relatively quickly so that you have what you need to be able to help make good decisions for that patient. Sure. So communication skills are super important. In terms of work ethic, being detail-oriented, of course, is, is important. And having a strong work ethic When it comes to almost any job in healthcare, none of them are easy. They're all service professions where you're, you know, serving your community in a lot of ways. And so you definitely have to work hard and make sure that you're doing your absolute best all the time to take care of people. Because at the end of the day, if you make mistakes or if you don't do your very best job, people can get hurt.
0: Now, we touched on, uh, obviously, the things you love about it and you course, enjoy the the personal interaction uh, aspect of it. What about the things you don't like uh, in the career of you know being a pharmacist or maybe things that are challenging or something you'd like to change? Because obviously no position is perfect. So what would you point to as maybe one area that you, uh, you find a challenge or, or something you're not necessarily fond of?
1: Well, I would probably have two things that I might have as an answer for that question. One being that I wish more people in the American public especially understood the value that a pharmacist has to provide and understood that when you go to a pharmacy, it's not just a store that has candy and milk, but it's an actual healthcare setting. Mm -hmm. And that the pharmacist is a healthcare provider that has a lot of information that they can provide to you and a lot that they can do for you to help you live a better and a healthier lifestyle. So that would be my number one, having more people understand the value that a pharmacist brings to their community. And number two, insurance can be a big challenge. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Mostly because, (laughs) I know, mostly because people don't understand their insurance. They don't understand how it works They may not understand their specific plan that they're on. If their plan changes, you know, the first of the year right after the new year is a really challenging time in a pharmacy because almost everybody who has a plan, their plan has changed at the first of the year Hmm. and something's different. So a copay that used to be $20 is now $30 and people, you're the face that's there telling somebody that what was $20 last month is $30 this month. And you're someone that they can yell at. <laughs> and so it's harder to yell at your insurance company. And so that's the thing. Other piece that I think is a little challenging and frustrating because often I'm spending time explaining to people how health insurance works, how a prescription drug plan works, and helping them to understand their insurance versus me being able to spend time really giving good patient care and taking care of their health.
0: Right. Right. Well, hopefully this show can uh, you know help facilitate some of those ideas of both being a you know a valuable asset to the community as well as you know understanding that insurance for one it's not your fault necessarily so <laughs> let if we haven't if we haven't scared off any of the people that are still interested and I don't think we have uh, let's talk a little bit about the education side of it and how you you know sort of plan to get into this career Uh, whether it be your own educational background or maybe what the standard might be. Um, Just again, give people an idea of what it would be like on the education side.
1: There's a couple of different models across the country, depending on what school you're interested in going to. Okay, We do have a handful of schools in the United States that have what we call a 06 or a 07 program, where they take students directly from high school. The students will go through two to three years of pre-professional coursework, And as long as they maintain a certain grade point average, then they move into the professional program, which is the last four years, where they learn how to be a pharmacist. Now, that's one model, and it's kind of, it's a smaller subset of our schools. The most predominant model, though, is where students will complete two years of undergraduate education and prerequisite requirements, and then do four years of pharmacy school where you receive a doctor of pharmacy degree or a PharmD. Okay. Some schools require three years of prerequisite work. And then we have other schools that have a bachelor's degree requirement prior to the four years of pharmacy school. Hmm. So as you can see, it varies. Right. <laughs> and then we do have a couple of accelerated programs where students will go through the professional coursework in three years where they go to school year round and don't get any summers off and they condense that four years of school into three years and graduate more quickly. Sure. So there's a couple of options like that out there as well.
0: Okay. Well, I think it's great to hear that there are different uh, options for people who are interested. What about fieldwork, internships? Uh, you know, of course, anything in the medical field, we, we hear about different uh, requirements that are necessary to graduate and to make sure you're uh, really ready to go into the real world. What's it like on the pharmacy side?
1: It's experiential coursework is a very, very important part of the pharmacy curriculum. In fact, it's more than one third of the curriculum that you would experience in a professional program. And it starts with what we call introductory pharmacy practice experiences that could start with, say, job shadowing, where you're shadowing a pharmacist in a particular setting Mm -hmm. that goes through case-based learning with your classmates and simulation with Sim man who is our electronic patient that you might experience, all the way through what we call advanced pharmacy practice experiences, which are usually the last full calendar year of pharmacy school, where you actually are out in a number of different practice settings and you are out working as a pharmacist under the supervision of a, a licensed pharmacist. Okay. So that you can experience a number of different practice settings where pharmacists might work. So that you can see where you might fit best and get some exposure. So quite a bit of field work and experiential education included in the pharmacy curriculum. All right. No,
0: and I think that makes perfect sense with it. I think people would expect that, but it's always nice to hear and understand what exactly you might be getting into. What about that next step then of of applying for jobs, interviews? Of course, everybody's going to have sort of the general idea of what's important, but is there anything from the inside that you could tell the listeners that would be extremely important or beneficial to give them that leg up?
1: Well, once you graduate from pharmacy school, you have to take a licensure exam and you have to get licensed in the states that you're interested in practicing in because all 50 states have different laws. Hmm around pharmacy. So you have to be licensed in a particular state to practice pharmacy in that state. So because of that, that's your first step. Um, You need to have your license. Some students will graduate and they'll go on to do additional training in a residency program where they'll do one year of a residency that's general and then the second year that's a specialty. So for example, I have a friend who is a pediatric infectious disease pharmacist, and she works with children with HIV. So she did a residency, a general residency, and then a specialty, and then went on to applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. In general, when you have that additional expertise, you really know exactly where the jobs are in that specific field. For the most part, it's a matter of just really honing your skills, knowing where you want to live.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Where right. do you want
1: to practice? What type of setting do you want to be in? A community pharmacy? Do you want to be a hospital pharmacist? Okay. Do you want to work in critical care? I mean, there's a lot of opportunities there. So, pretty much any healthcare setting you can imagine. Right. Or specialty, a farm, pharma- there's that opportunity for pharmacists as well.
0: So it definitely sounds like, you know, it's sort of on the candidate's end. If you figure out exactly what you want, then it makes it a lot simpler Mm -hmm. and then you understand that path you need to take.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Well, unfortunately, we are getting a little low on time, but I did want to give you the floor here at the end, as we do with all of our guests, to put yourself into the shoes of our job seekers out there. And if there's anything that you would want to emphasize or mention that we haven't touched on for those that might be interested in getting into pharmacy and pursuing this as a career. So sort of a a lasting takeaway for our listeners today.
1: I would say if you're interested in science, if you're good at science, and that's something that you're passionate about, but if you're also passionate about helping people, then pharmacy might be a good fit for you. And do what you can to get some exposure to pharmacists in different practice settings in your community to see what you might, you know, is this some place that I might fit? Is it some place that I might be interested in? And you might be surprised if you go to someone that you know and say, "I think your job's really cool and I think I might want to be a pharmacist." You'd be surprised. <laughs> how flattered they might be and how excited they might be to tell you more about what they do. So seek people out so that you can get some exposure even early on in high school to be able to see, is this maybe a path for me? So that when you start college, you can really start thinking about, you know, what are the prerequisite courses that I need to take? And is this, am I getting myself on the right path so that I can apply for pharmacy school when I'm ready?
0: All right. I think that's a great way to wrap things up today. And hopefully this show can uh, maybe interest some more individuals as well. That will do it for this episode of I Want to Be a Pharmacist. As we've been speaking with Dr. Jen Adams, the Senior Director of Strategic Academic Partnerships for the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy. Thanks once again for giving us some insight into the profession today, Jen.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, if you have any comments or questions regarding any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio, just email us at Radio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.